Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at activequestpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 205 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me are a couple of very special guests uh, from the Throwdown Show, Tony Palanco and Chris Seeley. How's it going there, guys? Going good, man. How you doing, David? Yeah, doing great, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, I had to have you guys on here since Streets of Rage 4 is just upon us, just next week, actually, from now. And um, it is something that we've all been, I think, super excited for <laughs> for like yes. a long while, and now it's finally coming. Uh, so, of course, I had to have you guys come on to talk about the Streets of Rage franchise here. Before we get into that, though, uh, we do have some news uh, to cover, uh, starting off with Crisis Remastered. So, uh, I know this was something that was being uh, teased on Twitter, on the uh, Crisis Twitter account, actually, because uh, it basically came out of dormancy after, like, four years, more or less, and um, all of a sudden, like, started tweeting. And so that got, you know, got people, like, talking about, like, you know, whether we're going to see, like, a new Crisis come out or maybe, like, a remaster. So in this particular case, it is Crisis Remastered. So uh, there's a press release that released uh, here called uh, Crisis Remastered will feature the original game's single-player campaign alongside high-quality textures, an HD texture pack, improved art assets, temporal anti-aliasing, SSDO, SVOGI, state-of-the-art uh, depth fields, new light settings, motion blur, parallax, occlusion mapping, and particle effects where applicable, um, and further additions like volumetric fog and shafts of light, software-based ray tracing, and screen space reflections deliver a major visual upgrade to this classic FPS experience. And you won't even need a supercomputer to run it here, Tony. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> right. So um, I was kind of curious, like, if either of you guys have played the original Crisis or if you're excited at all to see the return of Crisis. Yeah, I never played the original Crisis. Man, I don't think a lot of people did when it originally came out because no computer on Earth could run it except for, like, the developers. <laughs> I remember they, re- they actually re-released the game last generation, right? And even those versions didn't look as good as the original, right? So it's kind of funny how now people could actually play crisis on their rigs and you know developers you know they were like you know what okay everybody can play now that means we need to re-release it again so nobody can play it again you know with all that <laughs> crazy stuff going on oh um yeah it's funny because i i never played the first one but i did play the the other two because they came out on consoles and all that you know right uh, yeah. but it's it's kind of interesting how because you're right it kind of came out of nowhere it's like really right why, why was anybody asking for this like <laughs> i mean that's what we're kind of like seeing these days anyway like a lot of these like remasters i feel like are games that no one has really requested for but they just kind of like i I, like like i think it's just more of like that studios have the rights to these games so they figure it's like well we may as well make use of them somehow and so they'll just re-release them in some way just like spruce them up for modern consoles uh at least you know with like crisis's case i mean there is always like you know always that joke uh where uh you know you need like a supercomputer basically to run the damn thing properly um but uh now like it seems like technology is uh, you know has caught up anyway where we're you know where we can't see it running i I believe it's gonna it's coming on switch as well as like other consoles too right gonna be interesting how the hell they're gonna run it on switch like isn't it supposed to be like the you know i don't like the super game or whatever so it'll be interesting to see how (laughs) it runs on switch i i remember when they announced this i was on twitter and i made joke like because you know the the running joke is like yo can your can your pc run crisis now the joke's gonna be can your console run crisis (laughs) right yeah uh chris i wasn't sure if if this is something that you played or excited for no i i'll play it now i i um I want to find a game that will will finally melt down my PS4, and 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 force me to buy maybe a Pro or a Five. Well, if there's enough Fives, I I can't melt down before then. But th- this this might do it. You know, I I don't I honestly I'm I'm puzzled how they they got it work on the Switch with all the features they listed. Like I mm. I don't know how that's working. I'm I mean I'm I'm glad it should be on everything. But I was always like Crisis was legendary for being this resource intensive game that couldn't run on on even the the, the best pc at the day it was released so now, i'm not sure if it's going to be running as well I, I i wouldn't expect it to run as well honestly as the other versions on ps4 xbox one and pc um you know but like i guess they have it like running or it can run at least but you know they'll, they'll probably have to like lower like the textures or like the visual fidelity of it somehow in order to actually make it run smoothly because uh, that seems to be like what a lot of developers are doing in order to make you know what are otherwise like very intensive games like say like the witcher 3 for example uh run on nintendo switch properly Um, so we'll wait and see on that but um yeah for me i mean like i i didn't grow up on crisis uh it was kind of like you tony like i only played um like the sequel i know when it came to consoles i think it was on xbox 360 i want to say one of the sequels came out yeah two and three both came out on both systems last year that's right yeah because um, i remember playing the demo of it and i was just like okay cool it's a sci-fi first person shooter but like there's already halo so i don't really need to play this you know? yeah um so it just didn't really like appeal to me in that's in, in that sense but i i am definitely very curious to see how the remastered runs and especially on on the uh on like the Nintendo switch i'm really curious to see how that's going to run so we'll wait and see on that uh, but another classic game that is coming out here uh, is Star Wars Episode One Racer. So this this is coming out next month. Uh, apparently, it's being spruced up for modern uh, for modern consoles here by Aspire, uh, which also handled the recent Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy remasters, and it'll cost fifteen dollars. 
And, uh, yeah, it's coming out for Nintendo Switch and PS4 on May 12th here. So, uh, yeah, so I know, like, a lot of people are really excited about this. I played, like, a little bit of, um, of like, Episode One Racer, I know, on the original N64. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. It's no Mario Kart, but, I mean, you know, it's still still a lot of fun, though. Um, I wasn't sure if this was, some, you know, something that you played at all, Tony? No, but, it, again, there's another way games, like, who's asking for this? <laughs> I, I, I think it's just like it. the Star Wars brand. That's why it's just like the Star Wars brand. So we may as well release all the games. Yeah, like much, I, I understand like a celebrated game and all that. I know a lot of people like that. I remember when it first. I didn't play, but I, I do remember all the hype surrounding it back in the day. Bunch of gaming magazines and stuff, always talking about it or whatever. And even like so, certain retrospectives years later, talking about how great the game was because it actually made you feel like you were pod racing. Pod racing being one of the few things people actually liked from Episode One. You know, right. like that whole sequence. <laughs> so, like, I, I always was curious so i may check this out it's kind of interesting it's only coming to switch and ps4 no xbox version but yeah so i'll probably check it out just to see what the hype was I, but is this like a straight up remaster are they doing anything like are they going to tweak the controls any or is it just like basically the old game just reskinned i mean it seems like it's going to be the old game reskinned and they'll have it like you know still working with like split screen multiplayer yeah uh so um yeah so like it says here that's you know there's going to be like all the cool star wars music and sound effects 25 playable characters and tracks of span eight planets um uh, and yeah like there was also uh something here from the producer saying it's a great game and it has emotional resonance hmm. and we really believe in reuniting fans with something they cherished or connecting a new audience with something they may have missed uh so there are definitely you know again like there are there are like a lot of people who are fans of this game so i don't want to like you know bash it for no reason but yeah it's kind of you know it's kind of like what you said like i don't think anyone was really asking for this but it's a popular enough game like where it has like its fans basically yeah i guess <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I again i'll check it out but it's just weird you know yeah sure uh how about you there chris um this came out on n64 originally right yeah, yeah, came out for N64 and PC, I believe, back in the day. Yeah, I know my wife has played it. I remember renting it, and I, and I remember being bad at it because I couldn't get through the canyons. But uh, it's funny because they're saying, like, they got the original audio back, but I'm like, okay, so Jake Lloyd is, what, like, in his 30s? He can't he can't re-record that stuff anymore. So what, <laughs> whatever right. N64 quality audio they had is what we're going to get. But uh, yeah, I I, w- I would try it for for fifteen bucks. I I would I would play it. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be like more tempted to pick it up if it was ten bucks. Fifteen bucks seems a little bit too much for a game like this. Yeah. Um, for me anyway. But uh, you know, it, it does have like that very like F zero like kind of quality to it as far as like how it plays and like the high speed like racing action and all that. So. Um, you know, if you're into that, or if you played the original game and you really loved it, then this is definitely for you. But otherwise, fifteen bucks, mm, a little bit too much there. It doesn't say anything here either about online play. Uh, I'm not seeing anything here for online play, so it looks like it might be just a split screen uh, racing here. So not really too much of a uh, case to be made to actually pick this up if you're already like on the fence about it. But otherwise, uh, definitely something to pick up if you're already uh, you know a huge fan of the game. The next story we wanted to hit here actually is uh, in regards to Paul Haddad, who is the voice of Resident Evil 2's Leon Kennedy. So all the uh, amazingly bad voice acting pretty much back then. Yes. Uh, he was definitely part of that. Uh, but like, you know, obviously there was like a lot of charm. Like a lot of people love the very cheesy, uh, very bad voice acting from the old Resident Evil games. Um, but unfortunately, Paul Haddad here apparently did die. Like he passed away 
uh, according to uh, there was like a, his uh, his personal Facebook account and uh, from Invader Studios uh, also who was a developer of Daymare 1998 who recently worked with Haddad uh, on the on the 2019 game here. Um, it says here that his struggle with laryngeal cancer had been known to fans, causing permanent damage to his vocal cords. So, um, you know, even if you know, even if he didn't pass away from this, I mean, he's basically like, I have a job in that case. Like, if your voice is gone as a voice actor, that's it. Yeah, you know, man. so. Um, but it, it is very unfortunate to hear that uh, you know that he did pass away from it. Um, there was actually the tweet here, actually from Invader Studios, saying Paul Haddad, our dear friend and an icon among the Resident Evil community, has passed away recently. We've been truly honored to have the chance to meet and work with such a great man and a brilliant professional that he was. Rest in peace, Paul. You will live forever in our hearts. Uh, so, Tony, um, what are your like you know thoughts, at least like from you know from like this news, but also in regards to his performance as Leon Kennedy? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the news is sad. Anytime you hear about, you know, anybody that voiced a, a character you really, really love passed away, it's always pretty tragic. But it's kind of interesting because I was thinking about how, you know, obviously he was the first Leon Kennedy, but a lot of people don't talk about him as much as some of the other actors, specifically. I don't know his name, but the one that played him in Resident Evil 4, I think that's the one that people mm. remember the most as, like, the iconic Leon. But it's like, he's the guy that, you know, voiced Leon first and all that. So I thought, you know, I mean, it's sad that now people know about him, but it's because of him passing away that they remember him. But yeah, I thought his well, voice acting was actually pretty good, you know, for what it was back then. But, you know, yeah. everybody's <laughs> voice acting in those games were always cheesy. And I felt that was done on purpose, you know, because Resident Evil, at least the first three Resident Evil games always felt like they were like, you know, like uh, Romero zombie movies and stuff, <laughs> just playable versions of them, you know? It's more of like the writing for those games, really. Like, that's that's what makes, like, the voice acting kind of cringy, like, really, in yeah. some ways, but still, like, you know, good in terms of, like, him doing the performance in that case. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, he, he definitely injected, you know, it, Leon with with uh, he He always seemed like a really cool character. Like, no matter what oh, happened, yeah. he was unfazed or whatever. You know, that was kind of fun. When I heard that the reason, you know, he, he passed away is because... uh you know, his, you know, throat cancer is like, damn, man, that's like, that's kind of, I mean, obviously, cancer is horrible anyway, but like, throat cancer for an actor, man, mm. that is yeah. brutal, you know, for real. That, that's like, you know, for me being a writer, it's like, chop off my hands, like, oh, shit, like, when, when <laughs> I know exactly, yeah, it's the same type of deal, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's, it's fucking crazy, man. Uh, yeah, I feel bad, you know, that's his, his livelihood. I mean, he didn't have this booming voice acting career, but. I mean, he was in one of the most iconic horror games ever, you know, he played the main character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's always tragic to lose your life to cancer, but that it ate away at his livelihood, you know, I feel bad for his, you know, his, his family and friends and everyone. And <clears throat> I hope uh, what my hope is that Capcom honors him in some way. They're they're full steam ahead with re new Resident Evils. And, you know, if the rumor is true, there's a four remake, maybe they could do a shout out to him or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that'd be great, honestly, if they did, like, a shout-out to him and whatever's the next Resident Evil game that comes out. And uh, it does seem like Resident Evil 4 Remake might be that, uh, or, like, Resident Evil 8. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll wait and see on that. But, um, you know, to move on to, uh, you know, again, some more lighthearted news to kind of move away from mm -hmm. that. Uh, there, There is, like, a pitch that was made here, uh, like a trailer, actually, for a Seinfeld video game. Uh, apparently, it's going to be, like, a point-and-click uh, adventure game, in a way. Uh, it looks amazing. I love the pixel art in it. 
And um, I just remember, like, you know, just watching it. And I was like, thinking, it's like, this must be like a parody or just like a fan made thing, just kind of meant to, you know, be like a cool thing, whatever that someone made. But like, apparently, this is an actual pitch for a game. It's just a matter of actually getting like the license for it and everything. So um, it says here that the game would feature original stories written from the from the perspectives of Jerry, George, and Elaine. Kramer will appear as a non playable wildcard character, of course. Hmm. And uh, the first thirty minute episode of the game sounds a lot like a Seinfeld TV show episode. Uh, so essentially, Jerry wants to break up with a girl via email, but not before he can get the movie tickets she promised him, Elaine, George, and Kramer. So, um, so it definitely sounds like pretty cool. It, it's like, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it all depends to like, if they get the, um, the licensing for this and everything, but if they do, would you like to hear the, um, the actual like characters be voiced by the characters from the show? Yeah, I think you would have to, like, you know, if you want to make this like as authentic as possible, you got to get the originals. I mean, they're all still around, you know, they're still doing their yeah. thing. So I don't see why they couldn't, you know, that, that would be a, a lot of fun. And it's funny because like, it's appropriate as a point and click adventure game. You know, like I don't really see like a, a Seinfeld beat em up working very well. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, there was a Seinfeld do mod. I don't know if you saw that at all. <laughs> oh my God. Why am I not? Surprised? That does exist. <laughs> yeah. There's a do mod for everything, but yeah, no, I'm looking at the, the video now. I'm like, yeah, that is actually, really cool like I, I would definitely like to check that out I, I used to like seinfeld back in the day so it'd be cool to actually play that I, i'm just wondering like you know would it work for like today's audiences or whatever you know what i mean like a uh, point click adventure game or like the seinfeld, the seinfeld you know seinfeld so point and click adventure games actually pretty okay now like they do pretty well or even games in that like but i'm like yeah like i don't know like who would play this? Like, would it just be guys like us that play the originals, or would, you know, would new people actually jump in? I don't know. I mean, I think it would just be the Seinfeld fans, honestly. I think those yeah. would be the people who would get on board with this type of thing. And I don't know. I guess that's it. But you know, otherwise, I mean, there there are still like a lot of Seinfeld fans out there, and you know, I, I feel like this. You know, as much as this would very much have its niche audience, not only for being a Seinfeld game, but also for being a point and click adventure game. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I don't see it doing super well, but I think if it was managed correctly, if there was like enough, like, you know, if there was like funding to the point of it, you know, not going like, I don't know, completely under like when it's, when it's actually sold, because I, like, I think expectations kind of have to be there. Like, it's not like this is Game of Thrones, this is freaking Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> so um, I, I think those expectations would have to be there if there was going to be some actual funding put into this, uh, as well as like with the licensing, but uh, Chris, I, I wasn't sure if this is like something that you would play or if there was like another TV license that you would like to see as a point and click adventure game. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I'm, I, I was a big fan of these type of games um, way back in the day. I mean, I, I used to play um, all the Sierra games like King's Quest and mm, yep. Space Quest, Police Quest, uh, Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Tentacles. So this, this, uh, I, I totally love this. I, I think the only thing with getting the original voice actors back is that they may be cost prohibitive. I, I mean, mm. they were demanding huge salaries at the end of, uh, end of the run of Seinfeld. So I, I can't, I can't imagine what they would charge to, to, to reprise the characters in here. That's a very good point, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I'd imagine too, because like if they are going to look for the actual actors to voice them, that would be one thing. I, I like, I imagine if this, if this does actually see the light of day, if this, you know, if this project actually does happen, they'll just get soundalikes. Honestly, like I, I don't see yeah. them actually getting Jerry and like Michael Richards and like all those like people basically like on board in order to actually do this, um, you know, for for cost reasons, really. So yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't think about that. It's like, yeah, it probably would cost a lot of money. And then video game voice acting, a lot of people notice it's actually very difficult because you have to repeat lines over and over again, different takes, mm. different scenarios. There's a lot of shit that goes in there. So I'm even wondering if some of these actors would even want to do anything like that, you know? But yeah, I didn't think about the money aspect. Like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. I have to get some really, really good sound alikes. Yeah, totally. And you, you, you could definitely get some, you know, some sound alikes for these characters because they're very iconic characters anyway, and they have like their yeah. own voices. And I'm sure you have like plenty of like very talented voice actors there who actually do voice acting for a living who can actually yes. make themselves sound like these <laughs> characters. So um, I desperately hope that this does actually turn into a thing. But um, I was asking the question before, and I'll, I'll open it up to, to both of you guys here. Uh, what's another TV show property would you like to see translated into a point-and-click adventure game? I would go more like the sci-fi route. I would, I would like to see um, like an X-Files. Oh, like, X-Files, oh, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. I mean, Thimbleweed Park kind of does that a little bit, at least like a parody of that. You know? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I, I got one, Married with Children. Yes! <laughs> Tony, you know me so well. <laughs> I would totally be down that? that. Oh my god, that'd be amazing! Yeah, you have to go to like the house, to like the shoe store, like to like the football field, or whatever it might be. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get those four touchdowns in one game. Oh <laughs> my god, that'd be amazing! That'd be amazing. Yeah, um, I was gonna say Breaking Bad personally, um, like Ooh. like either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Like I would just love to see like that universe, but as a point click adventure game, I mean that would just be incredible. That'd be amazing, or like just like a video game in general. Like I think like an adventure game would definitely fit that realm very well but um just just so you can like focus more on like on the actual storytelling for it because like that's really yeah. should be the focus of like a game like that but um yeah i like your married to children idea though so i'm gonna get behind that for sure <laughs> hey man retro games retro shows that's man. right <laughs> you know how we do welcome that's gonna lead us now to the part of the show called what are you playing we get some games we've all been playing or have recently beat so uh, let's start off with you chris and then tony so uh so what have you been playing well, I recently uh, platinum Resident Evil Three, mm, and nice. I, yeah, so that that I was thinking a lot of time into that. And last night I was like, "Oh, uh, Sony put Nathan Drake Collection and Journey for free," and I never played Journey before, so I downloaded both of them. But I didn't have much time yesterday, so I played Journey, and I was shocked. I I, I sat there for like an hour. And I finished it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a short game, but like it's it's, it's really really good though. So yeah. yeah, it was beautiful, and um, I wasn't really sure how the co-op was working in there. Like I was running next to someone, and I was like, "Is that <laughs> is that the computer? Is that is that person there?" No, that, that's that's an actual person who's playing alongside with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. So so it was it was neat. Um, I enjoy it. I I really got Nathan Drake Collection for my wife to play because she's never played Uncharted, and I played uh the first three on uh you know blast gen so i i got that so i didn't i didn't fire that up and i'm i paused doom eternal so i could platinum resident evil so i gotta go back to doom eternal and finish mm. that finish that before i can have my final fantasy 7 oh yeah yeah you're in for a treat with that one so <laughs> yeah that's that's a great segue final fantasy 7 that's the last game i beat fantastic i actually this is i noticed this is a theme that popped up with a lot of people that have played it a lot better than i thought it was going to be <laughs> it is really good because i wasn't you know obviously this game's been hyped and anticipated for years right yeah i was yeah. never really on like on that particular train like oh my god i want a remake i was very happy with the original i i, I love the game i'm like yeah you know i'm pretty good with it if they do a remake sure i'll play it but i wasn't exactly hyped then i play this i'm like damn <laughs> this is fucking awesome yeah you know and you know the by the way plug plug 
uh, this Friday, which actually the same today, I guess I should say today, uh, we're going to have our Final Fantasy VII spoiler alert on Throwdown, and we're going to discuss the ending because I can't, I'm not going to spoil anything, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, you understand why that it's called remake, right? And why there's no number after it. Cause remember this is supposed to be episodic, right? Once you beat this, you're like, Oh, I get it now. This is, this is, I'm just going to say this. This is my only clue. Rebuild a final fantasy seven. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, the game's fantastic. So I played that. I'm also playing a little bit of this really cool indie game called treachery and Beatdown city. Yes. That game is really cool. Yeah. Like I'm, my review should probably be up by now on PC mag. And it's fun. It's like if, especially if you're a New Yorker and stuff, it's really cool. <laughs> the game's interesting because it's like a, a mix of it, I, the best I can describe it is Double Dragon meets Fallout. <laughs> you yeah, know, like that's not bad. You, yeah, yeah. You you walk around like these like gritty city streets and stuff, and you beat up bad guys, but you don't just beat them up by like just mashing buttons. You got to like actually like bring down a top me- you know top down menu and select your attacks. You can actually string them together and stuff, and that's really cool. 8-bit graphics, really cool music and stuff, and a lot of, like, fun social commentary in there that's not very over, you know, it's not heavy-handed, which some games can get, but it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, Resident Evil 3, I beat that, you know, recently. That's really, really good. It's funny about that, and people complain about, like, oh, this game's too short, has too much action. Like, those are literally the same complaints people had about the original Resident Evil 3. (laughs) Literally the same complaints, Yeah, yeah. History repeats itself in this case, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, the game's too short, it's too focused on action. Like, yeah, just like the original one, you know? I mean, the original game, like, reused a lot of assets from the original Resident Evil 2, much like how Resident Evil 3 Remake reused a lot of assets from Resident Resident Evil 2 remake so yeah uh, it's, it's just kind of funny like how that plays out and and I like yeah it's again like just history repeats itself I guess in this case like people just like you know complaining about it being like a rush job and Resident Evil 3 the original was very much a rush job too but you know it's still playable it's still fun so yeah, yeah it's, it's great yeah and then like Chris uh, mentioned Doom Eternal I beat that a while ago but that game is awesome man mm. like we had a string of really good games this year man like for me at least you know we had Doom Eternal we had Resident Evil 3 we had you know Final Fantasy seven and a certain fourth game which i don't think i could talk about yet but <laughs> it, let's just say we're going to be talking about the franchise in a little bit yeah you know yeah i think yeah, i man. think i think i might be picking up what you're putting down there <laughs> uh, oh, yeah so uh, as for me though final fantasy 7 remake has been taking up pretty much a lot of my time and uh i just adore this game i absolutely adore it. and i i like i already kind of like thought that it was going to be a very special game the first time i got to play it during pax west i want to say and, um, you know, playing that, like, uh, that, that demo for the first time, like, where you're going through, like, the Mako Reactor 1, and you fight, like, the Scorpion boss at the end, I was just like, wow, the combat in, in this was, like, like, it was insanely fluid. Like, I remember pl- playing it back yeah. then, and, like, how, how fluid it felt. Actually playing the full game and having, like, a three-person team and constantly jumping between, like, all, the, all your team members and, you know, trying to, like, get them to, you know, basically build up their ATB gauge and, like, you know, doing, like, all their, like, moves and conjunction, like, all, you know, all together and stuff. It, it is it is seamless. It is so well done. It is the best combat system I think has ever been done in a Final Fantasy game. Period. It is whoa like like I would say I would say leagues above like pretty much any other Final Fantasy game. Honestly, like that that includes like any of the turn based stuff and all that. So like you know even even as it kind of went more to like action RPG kind of territory. This is the best, I think, example of action RPG. And um, Tony, it sounds like you're you're a little hesitant on agreeing there, yeah? <laughs> Not really hesitant. I'm surprised, cause, you know, because obviously Final Fantasy has had some of the most celebrated combat systems out there. 
Uh, here's the thing. I, I don't know if I would go that far, but that's a little bit because of my bias. I even though I like them, I've obviously love Final Fantasy Seven. I'm still a little weird on like real time combat in RPGs. Mm, you know, okay. there's still that part of me that's like, you know, obviously it is a real RPG. Just throwing that out there, it is a real RPG. But this little part of me is like, man, it's not a real RPG because <laughs> that's our base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to admit though, because I, you know, I'm not sure if you play Final Fantasy VII at all recently or in recent years or whatever, but. Um, you know, you you have to admit that the turn-based combat in, in the original Final Fantasy VII is a little bit brain dead and a little bit like I don't know, just kind of the samey same a lot of the time. Whereas with with remake, it's you literally have to think on the fly as things are happening. Like um, you know, I'll I'll just say the Hell House fight, for example. Yeah. Uh, that Hell House fight is ridiculous, and you really have to think on the fly. Otherwise, you will die at any given moment. And a lot of fights are like that too. Like they'll have like these like difficulty spikes that'll kind of pop up like as you're playing through the game and you don't like realize how much in the shit you are until you're actually in it and then all of a sudden you have to like figure out how to recover and bounce back and all that stuff and you could very well do that but it it, like it, it makes it makes combat so exhilarating and it just makes it so that anything can happen at any given moment and you just don't get that with like turn-based combat, or like at least with like the original Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of tension because like with um, turn-based combat, it's like knowing what moves to string together and stuff and all that, and seeing you know waiting for the enemy to attack, and then you gotta like anticipate what they're gonna do and all that. So it's a different kind of tension. It's not like mm-hmm. it's more like and like you're you're like in tension because like oh what could happen? What could happen? What do I do to combat this? That you have to have like seven different things in your head at, at one time. With, with real-time combat, you have to do that, but just in real time you know and i will have to commend by the way i i you know i hope none of the listeners are thinking i don't like the combat in seven i think it's great i actually would say i will say this about the most i will say this is the hardest final fantasy I've ever played like i've never used as many i've used more phoenix downs in this game than i have in every <laughs> single final fantasy game combined man yeah. like i'm just downing those fucking things like it is the combat is ridiculous but i will commend them for it, they kept the strategic aspect of it. I one of the things I one of the reasons I don't like real time RPGs as much as like turn based because I what I love about turn based is like you really have to think and be strategic. Mm-hmm. You kind of lose that with real time, but this game somehow keeps that. You have to keep strategizing the entire time, switching characters. It's still strategic, that, you know? but it's strategic on the fly. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what that's what causes the tension. That's what makes it so exhilarating for me, really. It's just like, okay, this just happened. My character is like on the verge of death or just died. Now I have to like switch back and over and maybe like rebuild my ATB a bit a little bit so I can use a Phoenix down or use like a revive spell or whatever it may be. And uh yeah, and like you're you're constantly trying to figure out like what's the best course of action or to like take down this like, you know, this enemy, this boss, whatever maybe and uh yeah and like by by like the end of the game like i already kind of had like a way i like to play each character but like at the end of the game um you know i won't spoil it or anything but i mean like you're you're kind of constantly on the fly with like who you're controlling and it's just it's really really making you think on the fly with what it is that you're doing at that given moment it's just it's 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 awesome man and like you know like honestly as you know as you said i mean it is a remake in a true sense of the word and it's it's more than a remake, really. It's a reimagining, actually. Yeah, um, like I said, rebuild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? totally, totally. And so I'm super, super excited for what the follow-up game is going to be because they really laid stuff on the table for <laughs> what could possibly be yeah. coming next. So. Yeah, that, and I'm glad you said that because I'm like, I was already excited about well, as i was playing this game like oh man i can't wait to play the other games just to see where you know just to see those classic scenes reimagine or whatever right mm-hmm. now with this one i'm like oh i want to see where this is gonna go now this yeah. is 
completely different, totally. you know, uh, like from what I expected. Uh, by the way, I should say that final fight in the game taught. It's funny because I was like, I was like 39 hours in at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, oh, that, that final fight taught me how to play the game like properly. <laughs> yeah. You got to use that block, man. Like dodging will save you sometimes, but not all the time. Blocking is way more effective than mm-hmm. dodging. And blocking also builds up your ATB as well. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's very, very, you know, it's very important to know in that case. And also using, um, was it the Punisher mode parry from Cloud? Yes. Uh, that's very, yeah. very handy in that fight, as well as like in a lot of other fights too, or, uh, you know, where For you have sure. like aggressive enemies. Um, but yeah, really, really, really cool game. Um, aside from that, though, uh, I've also been uh, been replaying XCOM 2, actually, funny mm. enough. Uh, so I started replaying this actually because uh, Chimera Squad, which is the new XCOM game, is actually going to be releasing uh, today, Friday, basically. Um, so if you're listening to this, uh, it is on Steam right now, basically. I think it's on uh, on sale for 10 bucks. I want to say. It might still be on sale. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is basically a new XCOM game and still, like you know, at least from what I've seen uh, from like, footage of like the gameplay and stuff, it is still very much of a tactical strategy type game, like where you're, you know, have like a team. Uh, but this time you have like a team of like uh, people from like other races. It's not just all humans. So you have like a, you know, one of those like snake people from uh, XCOM 2, like as part of your squad, for example. So um, I'm really, really excited for that. And XCOM 2 is just kind of like kind of get me hyped up for that. But um, yeah, X- XCOM 2 is like still like a great game, uh, like in, in its own right as well. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And that'll lead us now into the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So, I figure since we are talking about the Streets of Rage franchise, we'll talk about the Streets of Rage game here that uh, we haven't had, actually, in the Stage of History yet, which is Streets of Rage 3. So, this is a 1994 beat-em-up by Sega. Boss characters Shiva and Rue are unlockable to play. The English version is noticeably harder than the Japanese version, very rare in that case. And several pre-release screenshots show that there was originally a section where the players got to ride motorcycles. Uh, so I, I can only imagine what that would have been like. But um, Tony, tell us about your time playing Streets of Rage 3. Yeah, I mean, as I'll talk about later, Streets of Rage 1 and 2, I, I love those games, especially to play the, the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. Streets of Rage 3, it came out, I remember... Near, pretty much at the end of the Sega Genesis life cycle. So I think I may have rented or something. I, I never owned it. I, I think I rented it. And I don't know, it, it never hit me as much as the other two did. Like, it just felt like like a lesser version of Streets of Rage 2 in some ways. I mean, it was cool that you could play as a kangaroo and everything. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And I will say the, was it Dr. Zan, right? The robot, like at first you're like, oh man, you get to play as a robot. That's cool. But you actually play him. Like he didn't, he didn't control as well uh, to me and stuff. And, 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 and the soundtrack was like weird too. I remember like, it wasn't like the, the first two games had this like really cool atmospheric kind of like music going on. Right. And three had, you know, it was, it was all right, but it wasn't on that level. But, you know, I mean, if you strip, I mean, if you were to just play that game on its own, not thinking about the first two, it actually is a really cool beat em up on its own right, but you know it's coming off the heels of possibly one of the greatest beat em ups of all time, Streets of Rage two. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it, it just didn't really stick out to me. I kind of like I was again, I was watching some videos just to uh, you know reacquaint myself with it. And Streets of Rage franchise is kind of like the Star Wars franchise, right? Uh, you know, you got Episode four, right, which was amazing. You got Episode five, Empire Strikes Back, which is fucking incredible. 
Then you got episode six, Return of Jedi. It's like, eh, it's good, but was not as good right, as the yeah, first yeah, two. Totally, yeah. It's a very yeah. similar ranking system, I guess, in that case. And with Streets of Rage 3, I didn't play Streets of Rage 3 all that much when it originally came out. Um, I definitely played a lot more Streets of Rage 1, honestly. But Streets of Rage 2 is, uh, you know, is, is, is the one that a lot of people consider to be um, to be like the best one out of the franchise, for sure. But with Streets of Rage 3, I mean, I, you know, I was always kind of like intrigued by it because like, it, it felt like that they were just kind of adding stuff into the game just for the sake of adding stuff, just because they figure it's like, well, you know, Streets of Rage 2 is basically like perfection. So like, let's just add more stuff to it. So like, I know that there's like, you know, more plot involved. There's like multiple endings. Yeah. The levels are longer in general. And like, there's also like that, uh, that ability to, uh, for like every character to run instead of just skate, like in Streets of Rage 2. Yeah, um, we also had multiple selectable characters, like Kenan Ones 2 kind of, like with Shiva, like you hold B or whatever. Yeah. If you beat them, you get them. You know, so that yeah, they yeah, you're right about this. Like they added a bunch of stuff, but it's like it, this is a case like just because you add more stuff doesn't make the game better, right? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. So like uh, Chris, I was kind of curious if you played Streets of Rage three as well. Yeah, I actually I didn't own it. I I rented it. I remember I didn't I didn't beat it because that the final form of Mister X had a countdown, and I I wasn't able to finish it. Mm. But uh, the I mean, it, overall it was good. The music wasn't good. I remember that, and <laughs> and um, you know, I I mean, I just either play as Axel or Blaze as usual. I think I tried the Kangaroo, beat him, but uh, I think overall what they wanted was um, they wanted to make another leap. Like if you look at original Streets of Rage and Streets of Rage Two, they made this amazing leap. The graphics, the music actually got better. Like they improved the game overall. So I I, I mean, I, they were like, well, let's let's make another leap. So that and then it's like, well, we can't really push graphics or whatever too much. So the music got really experimental and weird. And let's throw in more characters. Let's throw in um, alternate endings. It's, you know, they just threw everything in. That's uh, cutscenes. You know, we didn't have cutscenes mm-hmm. before. Let's yeah. Cutscenes. So there, there was all that stuff. But the the thing is, I I think that was the opportunity to bring in all the original characters. Like you still can't play Adam Hunter. You mm-hmm. the, the big the big wrestler guy was gone. Max. Yeah, yeah. Max. Yeah. Max, yeah. And then they replaced him with Dr. Zan, and he kind of sucked. So, I to be honest, like, you know, I just fucking choose Axel, man, at that, at that rate. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I I think that's where they, they dropped the ball is like they just tried to they tried to do everything in that game, and, it, and none, it, none of it came out. Uh, as well as it as it could have, like I feel like the um, the characters in general, anyway. I like I, I, like I feel like they look the best, and this is my personal opinion, anyway. I feel like the characters actually look the best on a visual scale, actually in the original Streets of Rage, and then like they were still like really good looking. I feel like in Streets of Rage two, they just kind of like changed around like how the sprites look and animate and all that stuff, and like it was still really good, but I still preferred Streets of Rage one sprites. And then Streets of Rage three felt like the the overall design of the characters they were just kind of just changing them just for the sake of changing them. And it didn't really add anything to the characters. It's, you know, it, like I feel like that the, it kind of like looked worse for the most part. I, I'm I'm not a fan of Doctor Zan at all personally. Yeah. Um, and it, it is kind of interesting actually, like how in Streets of Rage four, which is coming out, uh, there's uh, there's like that character. Uh, I think his name is Floyd. Is it like the big wrestler guy? Um, who is basically like a mix of Max and Zan together because he, he has the cybernetic like implants, whatever he can like grab people from afar, yeah. but he still has like the wrestling moves and like you know slams people and stuff. So, um, so it, it's, it's very interesting how they came up with that. But uh, with like Streets of Rage three though, I mean, 
I don't know, like it, it, it is very interesting, as you said there, Tony, about like how it was like, you know, it, it came at the end of, of the Genesis life cycle. And um, it, it really did kind of feel like the end of that franchise for a long while, because we were kind of like hearing all these rumors about Streets of Rage 4 oh, for generations to come. And eventually we did get one, but not from Sega themselves. So. <laughs> yeah. One thing I found interesting doing, you know, some research about this game, I had no idea about this. Apparently the the american version of the game or, or western version was like heavily censored and changed from the original japanese yeah. one did you guys know about that, that was, that's kind of nuts yeah they uh they they really changed like some of the content in there to make it more i don't know pc or kid friendly i guess in a sense as much you know as kid yeah. friendly i guess as you can get with a bunch of people beating each other up and on the streets um, <laughs> so uh th- th- there is that but um yeah th- i think it was just like um you know the way that like certain characters are dressed to kind of make them like seem like less provocative or whatever and just just yeah. like little things like that but um what was most interesting to me though is like the fact that like you know it wasn't just the content changes it was the fact that they actually made the western version harder than the one yeah. over in Japan, like I, I don't get that, like because like from from what I heard anyway, the um uh, was it like the easy was it uh, the easy difficulty in uh, in the North American version is equatable to the normal difficulty in the Japanese version. Like <laughs> usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the Japanese yeah. version of games are harder, not not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The only time like I've heard that happening was Devil May Cry three. Oh yeah, right? like, oh, yeah, like basically our our easy mode is Japanese normal mode, yeah. and our normal mode is their hard mode. It was like what? <laughs> but whereas I think with Devil May Cry three it was a uh... It was a mistake. I don't think yeah. they meant to do that. I think they just screwed up the the difficulty scaling, and and ours was just ridiculous. Yeah. I th- I think Street, uh, uh, Streets of Rage three, they may have not wanted people to just rent the game, so mm. they made it too difficult mm. for you to beat it at rental. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because that that was very notorious back then, actually, for game designers like during like the eight bit, sixteen bit generations, like where they would purposely make their games too difficult to you know to like beat in a lot of ways uh in like a weekend basically because that's usually how how long like the rental uh, how long like the rentals were, were good for yeah. so uh yeah like they would purposely do that in, in order to um in order to fight off against like the rental uh the rental companies yeah make you buy the game you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah because remember you got to that point like i remember this ha- this didn't happen to me but it happened to a few friends i knew it was like they would rent a game so many times their parents were like i'm just gonna buy you this thing you know it's like because they just save some money that way you know yeah yeah Totally, totally, man. I do have a game code here for giveaway. So there's uh, there's a game here called Power Rumi uh, for Switch. So Power Rumi is a modern shoot 'em up set in a in a retro futuristic sci-fi pre-Columbian universe. You'll take control of the almighty ship Chuku uh, Chu uh, Chukaru and its three unique weapons. Shoot wisely to either do double damage, heal yourself, or charge your super attack. So if that sounds like your jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is a Switch code. The code is C03MG8W2RV6X1NX0. Again, that's Power Roomy on Switch. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. And we host the Pretty OK Gamers podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way. No. Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're we're rather okay at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya. 
that's going to lead us now into the main topic, which is celebrating the Streets of Rage franchise. So we'll talk about the Streets of Rage franchise uh, in terms of like just like our own personal stories, basically, like uh, in regards to like how we were like introduced to the series first off. And I guess I'll like start off here, actually, because I was actually first introduced to this franchise uh, when I was playing on my cousin's Mega Drive, which is the Genesis here, mm. uh, over in Ireland, actually. I remember me and my cousins playing this and we were doing like the two player mode. And like that was like the only way, like how they were able, you know, able to like, really kind of play through the game and beat it because they were like too young, really, to like beat through the game. Uh, so I helped them out with that. And um, it was just like amazing. It was really, really cool. And this is like the reason why, too, I personally have more of an affection honestly for streets of rage one over all the other games uh purely because at the end of streets of rage one is when you get to the final boss uh he gives you the choice if you're playing co-op uh to either fight him or to fight each other and whoever wins if you fight each other you basically get like the ending where you become like his right hand man and take over the city and all that so i always thought that, that was like really cool and just like unheard of for games back then like to basically have you become the bad guy like the, the only other game i remember doing that where it actually gives you the choice to join the main villain become a bad guy yourself is dragon quest Yes. Dragon Warrior on the NES, uh, you know, as a lot of people know of as. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool that they added in like that option. And also the music is amazing. I, I love Adam Hunter. Like it, it made me so sad that Adam Hunter didn't come back at Streets of Rage 2 and Streets of Rage 3. And I, I couldn't have been happier that he came back at Streets of Rage 4. I just love that character so much. As well as like his, uh, I think it was like his niece. who's like a new character in Streets of Rage 4 as well, Cherry Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so Tony, let's have you start off here. Uh, how are you introduced to Streets of Rage? Yeah, I remember. It's kind of interesting because when I played Streets of Rage, I, like one and two were already out, right? So I played them back to back so much that I kind of forgot which game was which at one point. <laughs> Got like, mixed when I was up, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it was all interchangeable, especially since they had a lot of the same levels or similar levels. Like both of them have like the you know like the first levels are like these big neon like filled levels and all that like the city, but yeah, yeah yeah but what was f- interesting about that was so i played both these games after i had played final fight on the super nintendo right mm. i was huge final fight fan i love that game right so it was really cool playing something similar to that right and even to let's say i love me some streets of rage all day and every day but i still am more of a final fight a guy and that's a pun by the way mm. you know um <laughs> but uh but two is a game here's the thing i don't normally replay games i just you know it's not a, it, not only do i do i f- not find that very appealing it's just because of my job reviewing games all the time i can't really go back to a, a games but yeah streets of rage 2 I always find myself playing that game at least like a couple times a year, even if it's just like through the first level. It's just something about it, like the the, the way you do combos, the the way the the levels scroll, like even the the storytelling within the levels and stuff. As you go through them and stuff, you see things unwinding and stuff, seeing the different villains and all that, and even just being amazed at the, what the Genesis was doing back then. Because you know, obviously, people know the Genesis was not as powerful as the Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Like even today, like wow, th- this is incredible. But Genesis, like th- that game, you know, two particularly looks so good even now, man. It just plays so well. So I, we had a lot of fun playing on being my friends. But but one was dope too, though. Like especially, and the the best thing for me about the first game was the police car that launched that shoots a rocket launcher. Yes, you yes, know that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, yo, I wish two had something. Like that. That's crazy thing. Right? You're, you're beating the hell out of all these guys, and all of a sudden, you know, you everything just stops. Like, it's like yo, just <laughs> here comes the police. Yeah, <laughs> just fire off a rocket into like the streets. <laughs> 
Oh man, so yeah, that was dope. Or if you're on the uh, the like elevator stage and you have like the yeah. police car like come on, like come down like on the, like the street level and it shoots a rocket way up on like the, on, yeah, like, the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> like that that was always hilarious to me. It's like how the hell is this? Like I, I would always like do that move on that level specifically just so as to see that over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That's like the one of the best super moves in all of gaming. It's mm-hmm. just so awesome, you know. So I, I wish two had that, but yeah, two. You know, I, I played the hell out of it. I still played three, like, you know, we discussed before. I don't really have too many fond memories of it. I did play it when it originally came out. It was just like, I don't know, man. It doesn't have the feel, man. It, it just doesn't have the feel. And then obviously, you know, we can't have a proper discussion about Streets of Rage without discussing the music because holy crap. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that music like inspired so many artists that are around now, you know, <laughs> which is really cool seeing how Gamey just did that. It just, and it, again, it, it created this vibe that not a lot of games had back then, you know, like uh, games like that, even though we, you know, they had really cool soundtracks that we still remember to this day. Like the ones that stick with you the most, I feel are the ones that are very atmospheric. And that one kind of was, you know, it was like that, that game to me had music, even though it was completely different music as resonant as like, you know, resonant as, <laughs> you know, that of, uh, you know, Super Metroid, right? Super Metroid, that's the one thing about that game mm. that really sticks with me to this day, that music. It just gets you. And Streets of Rage has that. It's, it, it, it fits that kind of gritty, like, urban decay type of thing. But at the same time, it's like action-packed, so it makes you want to just get in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. So cool, man. It, it's it's so much fun. See, like, the thing is, like, with, like, Streets of Rage 2, like, the music in that especially, I mean, that took full advantage of that Genesis sound chip. You know, yeah. it did such a great job of like taking advantage of that kind of gritty sound that the Genesis was kind of like known for and just kind of turned that into like this amazing soundtrack that still holds up today. Like, you know, if you hear like on Spotify, like there's like so many remixes of the Streets of Rage 2 music. Um, and I'll give like a shout out here too, actually, to to, um, to my buddy Too Mellow. He did an album actually based on like Streets of Rage 2 music mixed with hip hop music as well. So it's just like really, really sound like sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, def- definitely something to, uh, to like check out. It's called Streets of Resistance uh, if you're looking for it. So it's funny about that game. Like I can't hear the music in my head without also hearing the game's awesome sound effects. Like you know, dun 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my like, god. Grand up so and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Uh Chris, how were you introduced to Streets of Rage? I actually played them out of order. So I had rented the second game, I think, when my store had it, and I played that and I was like, wow, I I gotta I gotta play the original one. I, you know, I never found it. My, I, I didn't have Blockbuster by me. I had just a mom and pop store where I rent my Genesis games, and I played it. I was like, man, this is so great. I have to get the first one. And I didn't actually play the first one until I got my Sega CD, and I got oh, the wow. um the five and one arcade classics, and you know, it came with uh, Golden Axe and um, Revenge of Shinobi, and it came with Streets of Rage. So that's when I played the first one. And, you know, I was like, wow, I love this game. And it, it was funny because I, I was like, oh, my God, why doesn't the second game have this police car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought the exact same thing back then. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, it was so amazing. It was just this throwback to Golden Axe. Like, oh, I just got this yes. fucking ultra that I could throw out and blow up everyone. <laughs> right. Fantastic. You know? Um, and then, like, after, so after that, I had rented the, the third one. I played it, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling it too much. I tried to beat it. I couldn't beat it, and I I kind of gave up on that one. But man, I the, the 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 first two. I mean, the music was amazing. I played the first one over and over again. You know, 
on Sega C. I think that's really that and Revenge of Shinobi was only two games I played on there. I think there was a racing game on the five one collection. Hmm. I never, I never even touched it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was like Streets of Rage one and two. I mean, th- those those games, uh, yeah, were like something special, especially two. I mean, two like w- like felt like it was kind of like that perfect amount of secret sauce, really, that was on the Genesis library. Uh, yeah. This is like so so good, and it is very fitting actually, like how Streets of Rage three did come out um, at the at the end of the life cycle for for like the Genesis, and you know you just kind of had that whole franchise really like basically define what it meant to be a Genesis owner really back then. Um, as much as I was not a Genesis owner myself, I was always jealous of my friends who had the Genesis and had the Streets of Rage games, just because like those games were just so much fun. It's really really cool. Um, so I figure we'll, we'll also kind of get into as well, like how, how like the Streets of Rage franchise actually stands apart, uh, in like the beat-em-up genre as well. Cause obviously there's like a lot of them out there, Tony, you mentioned with, with like the final fight games too. Um, what makes Streets of Rage stand out from that as well as Golden Axe and any other game for the genre? It's obviously different from Golden Axe because it's not set in medial time, but winter is a thing. And again, I'd learned this doing my research. It actually ran on a modified version of the Golden Axe engines. And then now looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could kind of see that. But the, the way I kind of see it, how it stood out from a lot of beat em ups, I'm using every beat em up now. A lot of beat em ups back then were very colorful, right? Like they had a, just all these colors that popped and stuff because I remember, you know, a lot of them were in the arcade and stuff. Obviously, arcades had arcades were the PC, like PCs of the day, you know, like <laughs> if, if you want graphics and stuff, like the best graphics ever were on, on arcades, right? So they had all these, like, colors that just popped and everything, these big sprites and all that. Now, because Streets of Rage was on the Genesis, it had a, a very limited color palette, very limited, like, you know, music and all that. But that helped it. It, it helped that grittiness that the game's trying to, like, convey, you know? Like, you really feel like you're in these decaying urban environments and stuff, and, like, you don't know what kind of nasty things are going to pop out, like, you know, like, from any, like, of these dark, dingy, dirty corners you know like again it's just kind of interesting how like the limited like like technology of the genesis helped that game stand out because it's just so like nasty looking yeah (laughs) it totally is yeah you know and but i and i mean that in the best way possible too and then i also remember in again even though i i did say earlier that i like final fight more i will freely admit freezer rage had a better combat system like there Mm -hmm. was a lot more combos you could do more throws and all this other stuff and then leveraging doing your special move you know which actually takes your health and then you know knowing when to use it when to not use it and stuff yeah like it had that element of strategy to it too that a lot of other games you know because a lot of other games like beat em up games they you get bored with them really fast because it's just like what mash mud mash much mash they're very straightforward yeah very straightforward this one again there's a reason i keep replaying it especially uh, the the second game it's just it never gets boring because it was just so well paced and a lot of beat-em-ups of that era didn't really have that final fight did a good had good pacing too so i'll give it that but yeah most of them it was just very repetitive and that that helped it but yeah the main thing that 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 stood out was just the graphics and how they just set this like mood you know so what makes like final fight then i guess like your personal favorite over like streets of rage 2 it's gonna say again i i love the music of streets of rage 2 but i like the music in final fight a little more had that classic capcom music mm. that i loved in the street fighter games the sprites were a little bit bigger and they all that bigger, yeah yeah they're, they're a lot bigger uh yeah I, I and graphically it looked a little bit nicer but it was still gritty too but not as gritty as the genesis but i think yeah because of the graphics the music and the 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 music the character and even the characters too like 
uh, I like Cody a lot. He was going Hagar, you know. Yeah, Hagar. Like, I would have. <laughs> yeah, the, the sounds are here. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. You know, but but I should say it's like if I give Final Fight a nine out of ten, I'm giving Streets of Rage two an eight point nine out of ten. That's how close <laughs> it is. You know? Like it is just by a little bit. You all know? right, all right. I, I mean, I only played uh, Final Fight in the arcade. I didn't have super nintendo to way later so You're better off in that case honestly <laughs> yeah right. for real yeah what, what my cousins did and what's interesting is when we rented um final fight we had to take turns because it didn't have two players simultaneous co-op exactly yeah. but, yep. but streets of rage did so when my cousins were over at my place uh, we, we we'd rent streets of rage to we we could play together you know and i was amazed the only time we could do that was i we'd go down to we had this pizza place on near me and they had um final fight in the back with next to street fighter and we play it there and then it had two players so like how come it doesn't have two players super nintendo <laughs> so that that was that was the one thing that 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 really sega leveraged over over them was that they could they had two player beat them up co-op before um nintendo did and uh the other thing too i i will disagree with tony i thought the streets of rage music was better Mm-hmm. I thought it was more hype. It felt it. It was very fitting for for the games and and um, even though the colors in Final Fight were better, like I love the the whole look when you start Streets of Rage and you're in this like it looks like Vegas, right? There's neon lights yeah. everywhere popping and there's like foam boots you could throw guys through and all this. Shit. <laughs> yeah. It's looking great, you know. And, and it's like you know I wanted to go and kick a garbage can and see if some money was under it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Probably like a turkey leg under or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hungry. I need to look for the trash. <laughs> People staring at you. It's like, what the hell is this kid doing? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I feel like that with like Final Fight, the reason why it was one player only on the Super Nintendo version uh, was because that was the cost of having big sprites, honestly, yeah. to emulate like the look of the arcade version but like without having like the two player because the Super Nintendo just couldn't handle having two players like with the giant sprites that they did so um, I, I think that was like a big reason behind it but yeah I mean I'm with you there Chris actually in terms of like Streets of Rage music just being like superior in that case um, I, like to this day I do not recall what the music in Final Fight sounds like really <laughs> you know um i can remember like when the classic capcom logo sounds like it's the old you know like, I, I can remember that um but like the music of streets of rage and like especially streets of rage 2 i mean like it, it's so iconic and as, as you mentioned there tony i mean like you have like a lot of like music artists out there who yeah. like basically got their inspiration from the music of streets of rage especially streets of rage 2 and yeah, it's just, it's just absolutely incredible. It just kind of stands like the test of time, really. And that's like a big reason I feel like why Streets of Rage 2 is very much up there in a lot of people's like top games of all time, not only in the beat-em-up genre, but just games in general. Um, it just kind of had that sort of impact, really, on people. So I think it's just like the atmosphere. It's having like the two-player uh, co-op, you know, and also like not being afraid to, to try out new things. I think that was also something that, you know, like as much as as it's gone, like you know, one way or the other in that regard. Um, at the very least, Sega was not afraid to try out new things with the Streets of Rage franchise uh, in order to just kind of see how how it goes. And like, it worked out very much in their favor of Streets of Rage two, and not so much as Streets of Rage three. But at least they weren't afraid like to do that, and that kind of like reflected too in a lot of their game development back then. Yeah, I I, w- I do want to say this though. You know, like a lot you know, a lot of ga- beat 'em ups that we played back in the day, you know, on, on consoles were ports of you know arcade games right right and you know there was there, there was successful here and there or whatever but what was cool about streets of rage is it was a home 
beat em up game that was just as good as any of those arcade games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Like it was just on that level, man. Like so, so people got to commend it for that. It was like it could have just been some like derivative nonsense and it, and it actually became as good and in some cases better than a lot of those games. Totally, totally, yeah. Um, so I figure we'll uh, we'll also kind of talk about here too, like some of our favorite characters as well as memories playing these games too. So uh, Tony, let's have you start off uh, favorite character and uh, you know if you, if you could share a favorite memory from playing Streets of Rage. Blaze, man, because I liked her speed. That was a lot of fun, you know, just running around beating the crap out of his ass. And that's <laughs> also the reason I like Skate because he was just really fast zipping around and stuff. Mm. Axel, I liked Axel, but I also felt that the game became a little too easy with him because he was kind of more well-rounded or whatever. He's pretty so busted, like, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I liked him, but it was like, okay, eh, I want to play with, with Blaze and stuff. I'd rather play with her. She's always my go-to. And then Memories, like, you know, probably like a lot of people are just playing the games with my friends because, like you said, it was, it was a two-player game. So mm-hmm. it was just really cool just getting together and just, you know, trying to see how far we could get. We have obviously we have actually beat the game and stuff, you know, and I felt that game, you know, I mean, I could do it now, but back then it seemed harder to beat on your own. So you kind of had needed your friend there and stuff just to help you out and all that. So yeah, just, you know, after school coming home, like, yeah, you could go to the arcade and play like final fight or whatever, but it's like, yeah, you know, we're kids, we don't have money, so let's play Streets of Rage, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. And then, obviously, that would sometimes lead into, like, an actual real fight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was New like, York oh, Streets. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you got, like, you know, you're, you're fighting stuff, and you get, like, you know, your, 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 like, friend loses his life and stuff. It's like, damn it, man, you lost. And then you start right. hitting on each other and stuff. Or if you take, yeah. like, the apple when they're the one who's, like, low on life yeah, or something like, like that. Fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Totally, oh, totally. Oh, man, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, how about you there, Chris? My favorite memories was just playing with my cousins. You know, I think, I think that's where I went wrong with Streets of Rage three because I tried to beat it by myself. Mm. You know, the other, the other, well, the first one that you could get through that easy, like um, solo, right? I, yeah. I think that was easy solo, and I didn't know because I, I was like you, yeah, I liked Adam a lot, so I would pick him all the time. And then one time I was like, oh, I'll try Blaze. And I was like, wow, she moves so fast. So I was just suplexing everybody. You <laughs> just walk right by and do a suplex. So I was just like, oh, geez, okay. And, and uh, with the, the second game, I enjoyed just because it just looks so good. You know, it mm-hmm. looks so good, played well. And yeah, it was just some of my cousins who enjoy. We play until my mom yelled at us. We'd be up at two in the morning still playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us to stop. For real, yeah, um, yeah. Like for me, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, you know, as I mentioned before, about like playing the original Streets of Rage with my cousins in Ireland on the Mega Drive, and um, yeah, doing that whole thing like where you could choose like to uh, either fight each other or to fight the main boss, like for real. So uh, it is really really cool that, that you know that they add that in there, and also like having like the the cop car and. I, you know, I, I still remember just like laughing my ass off, like, you know, every time I would call the cop car when we we're on the elevator stage. That, that just gives me great hmm. joy. It's like every time it's just like we got called the, the artillery while we were up, like going up on the skyscraper. It's like just shoot a freaking bazooka from ground level, <laughs> like in this elevator. It's amazing. So good. I absolutely love those games, especially Streets of Rage 1 uh, just kind of holds a you know, special place in my heart because of that, uh, even though Streets of Rage 2 is objectively the better game. So but I did have some listener responses here in, there, in terms of favorite memories uh, for people here. So starting off here with Taysen Jadam. Uh, it was my friend Johnny actually here. So uh, he says, anytime you played Max and caught them in a back grab. So um, I remember like Max, obviously like he, he was like the wrestler guy in Streets of Rage 2, but like uh, he basically did like a German suplex no matter which direction you were in. 
then there's Josh Butterworth, who says, Seventh grade, used to get grounded all the time, but my pops would still let me play the Sega. I wore those games out. <laughs> so, nice. Uh, then there, there's our friend Rochelle Hines here, who says, Beating Streets of Rage 2 co-op with my sister on our first attempt. <laughs> like Epic Whoa. gamer moment right there from Rochelle. And uh, there's also our buddy here, Bill Gardner, who uh, who you remember here, Tony. Um, yeah. He says, the one where I played Final Fight instead. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Damn. Oh, so he's on Team Final Fight along with you there, too, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, then there's my buddy here, Quanticus McFall, who says, the elevator runs. Streets of Rage 2. Can't deny that. Yes. And then his brother, Shondell McFall, who says, that whole soundtrack. Can't disagree with you there. So... Uh, then there's John Rayner, who says the classic 16-bit soundtracks that epitomizes Genesis. Uh, de- definitely 100% agree with that. Uh, Andrew Hernandez, who says the music. I got so hyped playing, didn't matter which one. Uh, Sean C.P. O'Donnell, who says, growing up, I only had the first one for Game Gear, but I played it a ton. Ooh. Didn't play the console version until much later in life. So, Tony, I have to ask you, have you played the Game Gear Streets of Rage games at all? I have not. <laughs> I know they existed, <laughs> but I've never played those. Yeah, I knew that they, they existed as well, and I owned a Game Gear, but I just didn't get it for one reason or another, probably just because of money yeah. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, like I was always like tempted to like you know ask for it or just like pick it up or whatever. But I mean, I wasn't getting like too much use out of the Game Gear anyway, so I don't think that I would have been able to make like much of a case really in that case. So I feel like one day because there's emulation out there, I need to do like a deep dive on Game Gear games, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just to because I, I like the only games I remember playing on Game Gear was like the Sonic games. There was a bunch of them. Yeah. There and- they were kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I just Rage one, I got to check those out. Yeah, I mean, I could say that the original Sonic the Hedgehog on Game Gear uh, was a different game. Uh, it was very good, though, as well. Um, but other than that, like, I had a very weird library of games. Like, I had, like, Raw's War. I had, um, I had, like, an NBA basketball game with David Robinson on the cover. Okay. Um, I had, like, a, what was it, like, uh, it was, like, a Vegas game or whatever, like, a bunch of, like, car games and, like, casino games and stuff. And then I had a game called Woody Pop, which is basically, like, Breakout, but you play as, like, this wooden Moku Jin-looking guy or whatever, you know? Weird. It's really, really weird. But, uh, yeah, I, th- th- that was, like, more or less my, my Game Gear library. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, and then there's Rod Walton, who says, I'm actually really excited for the release of the new one at the end of the month. Think I'll get it on Switch as this four-player couch co-op. So that, that's, like, a really cool thing about the, about, you know, about the new game that's coming out is the fact that, that it is four-player co-op. And that's, like, the first time ever... In the franchise and uh yeah it's, it's really really cool especially if you turn off friendly fire <laughs> um i would highly recommend to do that anyway but certainly for four player i think is absolutely necessary in that case so <laughs> uh then there's jerry lee who says battering those pesky jugglers to a bloody pulp i don't know if you remember the, the juggler enemies at all there tony yeah i remember those guys. with the yeah, guns with the molotovs yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they were pretty pretty brutal. I, I'd say, like especially if you do like a jump kick and like the game slows down because you're hitting each and every yes. middle of his things. You know? <laughs> uh, then there's Mike Foster who says first retro game I introduced my son to, so he's definitely dadding it up right oh. there. Uh, <laughs> then there is uh, Pier Giorgio Ticci uh, who says I actually started learning kung fu because of this game. 
<laughs> so wow. He's like, I want to fight for real. I'm I know, yeah. I'm taking this shit to the streets. <laughs> Getting out of my bedroom and going out there in the streets. There. Um, then there's Robert Caliccio, who says, Me and an old friend I have since lost touch with played this game all summer one year. We had almost as much fun beating each other to a pulp at the end of each stage as we did playing the hmm. game. Uh, then there's Sean Morris, who says, Skate fighting dudes while wearing rollerblades. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you really kind of you know lay it down like that, then it sounds ridiculous. But it is uh, actually like awesome, like when you're playing a skate in those games. And I, I was really, really hoping, honestly, that skate would come back in Streets of Rage Four. And you know, he did in the in a way, anyway. But like not like the new skate or anything. Like I was kind of hoping for a more grown up skate, like you know, like a I don't know, like young adult skate or something like that. You know. <laughs> then there is Jim Landry who says always got to play Streets of Rage Three as Rue. So definitely a big uh, big Rue mm-hmm. fan there. And uh, for those who don't know Rue is basically a kangaroo with like boxing gloves in the game so um i don't think he could use weapons though so i wasn't really a big fan of playing as him for that reason alone so uh and then finally here there's pedro santos who says memory when i played streets of rage for the first time in one of my first encounters i'm not going to beat the girl slash lady with the whip so i tried to avoid her until i realized mm-hmm. i had no alternative i was an innocent kid and raised to respect ladies on a more serious note, the fondest memories are the soundtrack and the final boss. This game is amazing. So um, I always find that uh, so so gloriously wholesome that he didn't want to beat up the ladies in a fighting game just because, you know, that's just how he was raised, the Nahe girls and stuff. So, that's funny. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your Streets of Rage memories. A lot of good ones there. Choose your character. And that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select, which is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that I am this week. Uh, so it's going to be Tony and Chris acting as a team here to guess which video game character that I am using yes or no questions. And uh, yeah, whenever you guys are ready, you could start with the first question. Did you, did you come out in the 1980s? Uh, like, did I originate from the 1980s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you originate from 1980s? No. Huh. <laughs> All right, Chris, your your turn now. Uh, were you an arcade game character? No. Were you on the Super Nintendo? No. Hmm. Yeah, this gets harder. <laughs> the more I know, the less I know. <laughs> uh, were you a Sega character? Yes. Hmm. Were you a human? Yes. Five right there. This is the point where you give us a clue because it's in it like every five or something like that? Nope. We don't do clues oh. anymore. Oh, oh it's oh, been no. real oh, now. Yeah. 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 Nice. The hints made it a little too easy, I felt like, before. So, yeah. No, this is for real. This is for keeps. Yeah, this is hard mode right <laughs> this now. Is hard this is mode. hard mode. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right, is your character male? Yes. I'm going to go on a limb here. Was your character in a game that's comic book inspired? Hmm. I wouldn't say that, no. Hmm. I wouldn't say specifically comic book inspired. Uh, was your character blonde? No. Is your character proficient in the martial arts? Hmm. I'll say my character is proficient in fighting. Uh, I don't know specifically about martial arts, but certainly fighting. Hmm. So I'll give you a little bit of a hint there. So. <laughs> Martial arts. Um... So I know they're a Sega character. They're male. They can fight. Not from the 80s. Does your character wear sunglasses? No. No, I don't wear sunglasses. 
was your character part of a team? Yes. That's 11 right there, by the way. Oh, man. Yeah, the, without the clues, this is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Was he character a cyborg? No. Character used guns? No. Mm. That's 13, so want to be a little careful here. Yeah. <laughs> so feel free to go over like the hints again there. So you know male Sega character, not from the 80s, can fight, doesn't use guns. Uh, not a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually kind of surprised like when you found out that I'm a Sega character that you didn't get into like which specific games I'm in or maybe genre I'm in or anything like that. I was actually a little surprised by that. Yeah, I, I just went with like, hey, we're talking about a Genesis game, so got to mm-hmm. be a Sega guy. That's that literally my, mm-hmm. my thought process. Yeah, yeah. We're thinking of like Comic Zone with the comic book character. That's exactly. Yeah, I was like, like, I was yeah. like, it was the Comic Zone. <laughs> yeah, then I was thinking about Revenge of Shinobi or something. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that obscure with like the main character from Comic Zone. Even I don't know his name. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, how deep are we getting here? Bro? Right, right. Uh, but you do have two more questions left. So basically, one more like you know question, and then the the next one would have to be a, an actual guess. Mm, damn it! Because <laughs> I already know we're not going to get into this shit. Um, huh. All right, so yeah, male character, 90s game specifically, and you're a human. Yeah. Part of a team. Mm-hmm. That's another clue as well, yeah. Part of a team, yeah. human. Um, The question was uh, if I was from the 80s, but you know I'm not from the 80s, but... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't use guns. Don't use guns, no. Do you live... Oh man, that whatever. I'm just gonna throw a question out there. Do you live in a post-apocalyptic world? Mm, I wouldn't classify this as being post-apocalyptic. No. All right. So, the next question has to be, I guess, who am I? <laughs> uh, are you uh, Ryu from Shenmue? No. I am not Rio from Shenmue. So um, even though I don't, uh, you know, I haven't been given any hints, um, you know, in this new form of random select, I still keep it on brand. So Sega character human fights with a team. Uh, I am Skate from Streets of Rage. So, uh, yeah, so you guys had, like, the right idea, like, because, like, I figured, like, once you guessed it was a Sega character, it's like, okay, they should be able to whittle this down a bit here, but, yeah, um, yeah then you got into, like, Comic Zone, <laughs> then Rio and all that, so. Yeah, yeah. I probably went out of Streets of Rage when we should have focused on Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could have got this in five turns, man. Yeah, that's, that's, like, the one rule for those of you listening who could be potential guests on the show. I do still try to keep it on brand, so. Nice. <laughs> just a heads wow. up just a heads up just no hints though that's that's the whole thing like the hints definitely made it way too easy but yeah uh, but yeah there you go skate from streets of raid so uh but next time i'm sure you guys will get it now now that you know, now that you know what the hidden rule is i don't tell so. <laughs> uh but yeah, just want to give some uh, patron shout outs here uh, who are two dollars and up uh starting off with francisco limas who actually just recently doubled his contribution so thank you very much there francisco uh, as well as mac the ball michael butler and rosaline della russo so thank you very much everyone for helping support the show and if you too would also like to support the show you could check us out at patreon.com slash rcast where you can see all the different perks and such uh there so uh definitely check us out and uh yeah thank you very much for supporting the show if you'd like to send us any feedback opinions retro games or topics for us to cover or anything at all really you can email us at rcast at retrozap.com 
And be sure to check out RetroZap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars, Animaniacs, or pop culture in general. There's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And Tony and Chris, where can people go in order to find you guys online? Yeah, you can check us out at The Throwdown Show. We go live on Twitch every Thursday and Sunday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, it's called Throwdown. We cover whatever gaming news happened that week. And then Throw Down Your Questions on Sunday is where we answer fan questions. And we're over on Twitter at Throwdown Show. Awesome. And you can follow the ArtCast on Twitter at ArtPodcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArtPodcast. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Guilty Man. And yeah, that is episode 205 in the books. And until next time, keep it retro. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. And we host the Pretty OK Gamers Podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way. Yeah. No. Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're, we're <laughs> rather OK at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.